Hello, welcome to my secret obsession. I'm Cherish Lively, and I have some exciting news. In addition to this podcast, I am beginning another podcast that will feature steamy and ultra steamy romance novels. These will be available on the platform Ream Stories. Ream Stories is busy finalizing the ability to upload audiobooks to their site. As soon as it's up, I'll let you know and you can listen to the steamy side of Confessions of a Fallen Good Girl. Please stop by my page to see what's already available at tinyurl.com slash reamcherish. The ebook is now available on Amazon. So, get comfy, turn up the volume, and let's read a book. 18. Tyson drove slowly through the streets of Adil Shah's neighborhood. The sun lay low on the horizon and streaked the sky with orange, red, and purple hues. Streetlights were on, lighting the sidewalks that meandered through the area. Most of the homes had been built during or shortly after World War II. The quaint bungalow-style homes were dated, but most were well-maintained. He slowed as he approached Adil's house and took in the surroundings. Ryan liked the side of Carisburg. It was the opposite of the up-and-coming area he lived in, but there was a history to the side of town that couldn't be denied. Ryan noted that Adil's roof shingles showed their age. Mold darkened them. The flower beds around the bungalow were filled with bushes. A camellia bush caught his attention. The fragrant white flowers contrasted with the waxy green leaves. Mature trees offered shade and beauty, but Ryan was sure they would be a problem in an ice storm or blizzard. The trees would drop branches in a large storm. This side of Carisburg frequently lost power in big storms due to the aging trees in the established neighborhoods. I don't see a car. Tyson said. Well, according to the DMV, they only have one car. How many families made do with one car? He couldn't imagine having to share a car with a spouse. That thought alone felt confining. Tyson circled the block and eased the truck to a stop at the end of the road. I'll go see if there's anyone at home, Ryan said. You go back around. I'll let you know if it's clear. Tyson nodded as he slid his Bluetooth earpiece on. They'd be able to communicate at a distance as they checked the house. Testing, testing, Tyson whispered. Good to go, Ryan replied with a head nod and slid out of the truck. Tyson wandered along the sidewalk towards the neighbor's house. He would cut through the backyard to get to Adil's backyard. Ryan casually walked down the sidewalk with his hands shoved in his pockets as he approached Adil's house. He glanced around to look for Snoopy neighbors. No one was outside, but that didn't mean there wasn't a busybody keeping tabs on the street from behind a curtained window. Ryan walked up the front step and rang the doorbell. Taking a step back so he didn't crowd the doorway, he waited with his hands behind his back. He didn't think a deal was home since the car was missing, but he wasn't sure about the wife, Amani. After a minute, he stepped forward and pressed the doorbell again. No answer. He whispered to Tyson through the earpiece. Tyson crept through the holly bushes that lie in the back of the house. Shit. He cursed under his breath when one of the pointed leaves scratched the top of his hand. A thin line of blood rose on his dark skin. He hated holly. As a boy, he couldn't even guess how many times the holly bushes had torn up his skin as he played with his sisters in the yard. He didn't understand how any parent could purposely plant that hazardous evergreen in their yard. Holly? Ryan said with a hint of laughter in his voice. He'd noticed the holly plants scattered throughout the landscaping. 
He also knew how much Tyson hated it. Tyson peeked through a window. He hadn't seen any movement, and no noise filtered through the walls. If the wife was home, she was keeping quiet. Going in, Tyson said. Be there in a minute, Ryan replied, walking away from the front door. He strolled down the sidewalk and casually made his way to the backyard through the neighbor's backyard. Standing, Tyson took the few steps to the sliding glass door as he pulled on plastic gloves. Curtains hung over the glass, so he couldn't see inside. But he did notice that the sliding door didn't have a bar in the track to keep someone from opening it. That was a mistake. Tyson jimmied the sliding door open and slid through the opening. Stepping into the kitchen, he froze and listened for any hint of another person. Looking around, he noticed a wooden bar leaning in the corner, beside the sliding door. He shook his head at the mistake and wandered further into the kitchen. Everything was clean. The counters were spotless, except for a little stack of papers in the corner by the phone. Tyson picked up the stack and flipped through it. Most of it was junk mail and coupons for local restaurants. Ryan slid into the kitchen and closed the sliding door behind him. He had also donned plastic gloves like Tyson's. Out of the corner of his eye, he noticed a small piece of paper flutter to the ground as Tyson flipped through the stack of papers. Ryan closed the distance between them and knelt. Picking up the piece of paper from the floor, it had been torn from lined paper and held only a phone number. Look at this, he said to Tyson, holding the scrap of paper out to him. Tyson set the stack of papers down on the counter and read the numbers. That's a local number. I'll send it to Logan. Let's see what he can find. Ryan took out his cell and set the scrap of paper on the counter. He took a photo of it and sent it off to Logan. Logan would find out who the number belonged to. He hoped it wasn't a burner phone. The men exited the kitchen and entered a small hallway. A family room was to one side, and a short hallway extended down the other side. A few closed doors were visible from their location. Tyson stepped into the family room. I'll go through here. You find the master bedroom. With a nod, Ryan walked down the hallway and opened the first door on the left. It was a small bathroom with a shower-tub combo. He shut the door and went to the next door. Pushing it open, he stepped into the master bedroom. A queen-size bed took up most of the floor space. A dresser and mirror lined one of the walls. The closet door stood open and empty hangers lay on the bed. He stepped further into the room and peeked into the ensuite bathroom. It was small, but it did hold a shower and a toilet. There were no toothbrushes on the sink counter. He opened the cabinet that was affixed to the wall and noted that the toothbrushes weren't stored out of sight either. Adil and Amani had split. Meanwhile, Tyson lifted the sofa cushions in the family room to search for anything that would resemble a clue. Finding nothing, he stepped over to the recliner and noted a stack of coasters and a decorative glass dish sitting on the side table between the sofa and recliner. A pair of simple hook earrings lay in the dish. Looks like they left, Ryan's voice echoed through Tyson's mic. Tyson went down the hallway and opened the first door on the right. A small suitcase lay on the twin-size bed. It was a popular brand and style, and just one piece of the set. The larger suitcases were missing. Agreed. Suitcases are gone. 
Ryan noticed a trash can nestled between the toilet and sink in the master bath. Leaning over, he picked it up and carried it to the bed. Tyson joined him as he dumped the contents of the trash can on the bed. That's gross, man, Tyson said as he scrunched up his face. He didn't have OCD, but he wouldn't like the idea of bathroom garbage on his bed. Ryan gave him a cocky grin. You think they're coming back? He shook his head. He wouldn't want someone to dump garbage on his bed either. This man was part of a plot to kill them. Etiquette didn't top his priority list. They'd searched garbage before, and it typically gave them some insight into their marks. People seemed to think they could just throw something away, and that it wouldn't come back to bite you in the ass. Tyson picked up a wad of tissues between two fingers and tossed it back into the trash can. Then he pulled out the strings of dental floss and tossed them back into the trash can. Ryan sighed as he picked up a used condom. He laughed and tossed the condom back into the trash can. Tyson picked up another wad of tissues and tossed them again. Man, I don't even want to know what's on all these tissues, he said with a head shake. Because they'd rummaged through so much nastiness in life, he'd developed a thick skin to all things gross. Regardless, he was thankful he had on his gloves. Three guesses, Ryan said with a smirk. Then his eyebrows pulled together as he spotted a card. Hey, look at this. He picked up a business card from a local hotel. Is that where they're headed? Or where someone's been? Tyson asked, pointing to the card. Good question. Ryan peeled off his gloves, careful to turn them inside out so the dirty side was not exposed. He always tried to follow OSHA's recommendations. Shoving the balled-up gloves into his pocket, he snapped a picture of the card and sent it to Logan. Maybe Logan would learn something from it. Tyson tossed the last of the garbage back into the trash can. He returned the trash can to the spot between the toilet and sink. Now, for the kitchen garbage, he said with a sigh. Ryan groaned. I hate kitchen garbage. Every time he'd searched through someone's kitchen trash, he'd always encountered raw fat trimmings. The stench of chicken fat and the squishy texture through his gloves never failed to tickle his urge to vomit. He pulled out another pair of plastic gloves and slid them on as he made his way to the kitchen. Ryan found a newspaper in the family room and spread out the pages on the kitchen table. Then he dumped the garbage onto the newspaper. Together, they made quick work of going through the trash. It was the typical stuff to be expected in the kitchen. Meat trimmings, cling wrap, balled-up aluminum foil, and various discarded papers and ads. Once all the garbage was back in the trash can, Ryan returned the container to its rightful space. Let's get back to the office and figure out our next step, Tyson said. Maybe Logan or Cole have learned something new. The man made a quick trip through the bungalow to make sure that everything was the way they left it. If Adil did return home, they didn't want to alert him of their suspicion. They made their way out of the sliding glass door and snuck through the backyards until they stepped onto the sidewalk and headed for the truck. Nineteen. Trudy Tuggle had kept her vigil at the curtain ever since she noticed the good-looking men get out of the truck a few houses down. She'd watched as the white man made his way to Amani's front door, while the black one disappeared down the sidewalk. Trudy had never seen either of the men before, as she kept up on the comings and goings of the people in the neighborhood. She immediately decided that if either of the men came to her house, 
She was going to let them know about the neighborhood's no soliciting policy and then politely shut the door in their faces. Trudy had raised an eyebrow when Amani hadn't answered the front door and the man hadn't gone to any other houses trying to sell what he was selling. Instead, the white man wandered down the sidewalk and disappeared from her sight. That piqued her interest. She'd heard of sleeper terrorist cells, and it wouldn't surprise her if Adil Shaw was into something rotten like that. I knew it, Trudy whispered to herself as the two men returned up the sidewalk and headed for their truck. She wasn't going to sit around and not do her part. Marching to her front door, she hustled into a fleece jacket and slid her feet into a pair of slip-on shoes. Bob, she yelled over her shoulder. I'm going outside real quick. Something's up with the deal, Shaw. I told you that man was trouble. She quickly brushed her hands through her hair to give it a little oomph. Bo peeked over the top of his laptop towards the front door at his wife. Don't get yourself killed. He stated without emotion and then continued reading the online article. He'd been hearing for years about the evil doings of Mr. Adil Shaw. He didn't like the guy either, but just because he was Muslim didn't mean he was a terrorist. Jerks came in every color and religion. He shook his head as the door slammed behind his wife. Huh. You see this? Tyson mumbled to Ryan. A woman, he'd guessed to be in her sixties, was power walking towards them with her arms swinging back and forth with determination. Her bright red Christmas sweater would be a contender in any ugly sweater competition. This should be good, Ryan said and stepped to the front of the truck to wait for the woman. Trudy waved to the men. Hi, she called out and slowed her pace when it became obvious that the men were waiting for her. Now that she was closer to the men, nervousness settled in her core and seeped up her heart. They were much bigger than she realized from a distance. What was she thinking approaching two strangers? She had no idea who they were, and if they were linked to Adil Shaw, they could be no good. But she finally decided that no man as white as a ghost with fiery red hair was likely to be involved in terrorist activities. Of course, if she thought Shaw was involved in the Irish Republican Army, there would be a different matter, but she doubted that the IRA was Adil Shaw's issue. Taking a quick look over her shoulder, she confirmed that her husband had not come to the door to ensure her safety. He probably wasn't even watching from a window. She shook her head in disgust, knowing that he was probably still at his computer. Her lifeless body could chill in the streets for hours before he noticed she was gone. The rumblings of his stomach would be the only reason he'd come looking for her. Can we help you? Tyson asked, leaning casually against the truck. He smiled, knowing that he could sometimes be intimidating. Trudy came to a stop in front of them and wasn't sure what to say. She fidgeted while she thought, and then she decided to go with the helpful angle. Hi, I noticed you earlier. She looked at Ryan and continued. Are you looking for the Shaws? Ryan noted the big red nose on her sweater sticking out from the opening of her jacket. It flashed repeatedly and cast an odd red glow on the woman's pale face. His grandma had that sweater. It was a big hit at the old folks' home. He decided it would not be best to share that information with the lady. Yes, ma'am. Ryan brought his hand to his chest. My name is Ryan Marks, and this is Tyson Smith. He flicked his hand in Tyson's direction. We're looking for the Shaws. Have you seen them? Are you with the police? 
Trudy leaned in with raised eyebrows as she studied the men. They were both dressed appropriately. No baggy jeans hanging to their knees or gang colors on their clothes. They looked like respectable men. Not the police, Tyson replied, and then added, exactly. He would let her mind wander down all the different options that his vagueness presented. But let's just say we appreciate your help. We think Mrs. Shaw may be in danger. She knew it. The deal Shaw was no good, and the two men before her were clearly with the FBI or CIA. But if that were true, why not just say it? She quickly decided that they must be part of a black ops group. There was no way the government actually paid hundreds of dollars for a single hammer or a toilet seat. That money was going somewhere. I didn't catch your name, Ryan said. You are. She cleared her throat and finally noticed the blinking nose on her sweater. She slid her hand to the underside of her sweater and flicked the switch. Sometimes it gets bumped and turns on, she pointed to the nose. The grandkids love this sweater, she said with an exaggerated eye roll. She felt foolish now, realizing that the nose had been blinking while she tried to carry on a serious conversation. That must have made her look silly. My name is Trudy Tuggle. Trudy is short for Gertrude, she said proudly. Nice to meet you, Mrs. Tuggle, Ryan replied politely. Have you seen anything out of the ordinary? Trudy eyed the men. She didn't see the hatred in their eyes that she saw in Adil's eyes. She brought her hand to her chest and began. Well, I have to tell you that I love Amani. If you can help her, please do. But that Adil, she snorted with disgust. That man makes me sick. Her own husband was sometimes clueless, but at least he wasn't a jerk. Are you and Mrs. Shaw close? Tyson asked. Very, she said with passion. That man doesn't let her drive. Can you imagine? A grown woman not allowed to drive. She rolled her eyes and continued. I take her shopping with me when I go. He prefers it that way, she stated with lots of attitude. That way he isn't bothered with, she used air quotes, women's work. We often get lunch, too. She shuffled a little as the wind blew through her hair. Brushing a hand through her messy hair, she continued. If he doesn't want the hassle of shopping... He should let her drive. You'd think a grown man could figure that one out. Tyson liked this woman. Is Mrs. Shaw afraid of Mr. Shaw? Or would you say they're happily married? Mm, that's hard to answer. Amani says she loves him. I guess that's how her brain was wired when she was a child. No help for that, Trudy shrugged. She sees him as a good provider and is grateful that he takes care of her. But if you ask me, the relationship is a little one-sided. She nodded her head as if she were sharing an obvious truth. Have you seen any evidence of abuse? Tyson asked. Trudy pursed her lips. No, but the woman is always covered. Although she does remove her headscarf when she's inside my house. She leaned forward and added, She even lets my husband see her hair. I think that may be a big deal for them. She straightened and continued. Anyway, I think she'd like to be a little more progressive than he allows. Do you know when they'll be back? Ryan asked, or where they went. She snuffled and folded her arms across her chest. The cold wind blew through her cotton pants and made her shiver. I have no idea when they'll be back. I saw them load the car with suitcases and a cooler. But I know that trip was last minute. 
When I talked to Amani yesterday, she was excited that the kids would be home soon for the winter break. She and Adil weren't going anywhere. Do they have any family in the area that they may stay with? Tyson asked. Huh. Trudy looked up at the dark sky as she thought about that. The moon shone brightly and she could see Venus. Adil's brother owns a restaurant in town. But other than him, I don't know of anyone they'd stay with. You're referring to Sultan's Feast? Tyson asked. Trudy liked the sound of the black one's voice. It was deep and flowed smoothly over her the way Marvin Gaye's voice did when she listened to his songs. And now she felt foolish because she had been so nervous when the men introduced themselves that their names had gone in one ear and out the other. She wasn't about to ask again. Yes, she nodded. Sultan's Feast. Good place to eat, but not the best part of town, she added with emphasis. Tyson pulled out his wallet and removed a business card. I'd like to give you my contact information in case you see or hear anything from them. She took the card and glanced at it. According to the card, he worked at a company called Savage Security. She'd be sure to have Bob look that up as soon as she got home. One last thing, Tyson added. Do you have a contact number for Mrs. Shaw? Yes, I do. Amani has her own cell phone. Trudy slipped her hand into her pants pocket and pulled out her cell. I have to find it. She waved her cell in the air and then scrolled through her contacts and tapped on Amani Shaw. Here it is. She held out her cell for them to see. Both men typed Amani's number into their cells. Ryan slipped his cell back into his pocket. He gestured towards Trudy and said, Thank you for your help. Trudy smiled and shrugged. Well, please just know that whatever is going on with them, it's all Adil's fault. Good to know. Tyson said with a smile. He noted the way she'd emphasized Adil's name. She was clearly not a fan. Trudy gave the men one more appreciative look and then turned, thrilled she'd talked with them. Hopefully they'd help Amani and put Adil behind bars. Tyson eased behind the wheel of the truck while Ryan slid onto the passenger seat. That was helpful, he said, starting the truck. She doesn't like Adil. Ryan said with a laugh as he tapped on his cell. You got that impression too? Tyson chuckled. It does give a little insight on how to handle Amani. She could be useful if handled correctly. Yep, Ryan replied. Just sent Amani's number to Logan. Hopefully he'll be able to track them through it. Thank you for sharing your time with me. To keep up with the various novels and authors that we will feature, you can follow my secret obsession on Facebook, Instagram, and X at Cherish Lively, or visit the website at tinyurl.com slash Cherish Lively. Bye.